Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined, as always, by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can catch us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. Today is uh, Tuesday, February 15th. And, John, I'd like to wish you, in real time, a happy Valentine's Day and a happy post-Super Bowl day. Um and, you know, this is going to be belated when people listen to this episode, but I just I wanted to make sure that we wish that to not only you, but also to Brian Allen, Super Bowl champion, Brian Allen. Wow. Good for him. I feel like that was <clears throat> we keep seeing like the ghost of Mark D'Antonio. Yeah. <laughs> this this is just a, maybe his final like homage is like taking and this is not to discredit Brian Allen in any way, shape or form, but kind of take. Brian Allen winning a Super Bowl is very on brand for Mark D'Antonio's like team full of not extremely talented guys winning big things. And I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. I think it's two things that are funny. First is that, and again, this is no disrespect to Brian Allen, but as a college player, objectively not the best Allen. Mm-mm. Jack was the first team all American, like star guy uh didn't i don't think he got drafted but and didn't really get a sniff honestly in the nfl brian gets drafted in the fourth round mm-hmm. and in the in the, the thing that's i think is i don't know if it's poetic but it's kind of nice i suppose as a as a runner-up is the year the draft streak ends for michigan state there mm-hmm. we have a starting center on the super bowl champs so that's uh that's kind of cool. A little bit of back end justification. So in the gap year between streaks, because Michigan State will have players drafted here coming up pretty soon, um, multiple, you know, we got a little Super Bowl championship ring out of it. Pretty nice. You know, uh, sorry to Joe Bocci and Darquez Denard. Yeah. Maybe next year. Yeah. And just to talk about the Super Bowl for a little bit, um, I think two things I found interesting and telling from this game. The first is on just like a holistic level, how awesome it's going to be to have like Michigan, like if slash when Michigan state players are playing like major roles, especially on the offensive side of the ball in a super bowl. Yeah. That's going to be so awesome. Like, <laughs> like if, if, you know, it is like Kirk Cousins. I guess Kirk Cousins is probably the best example of it. Maybe only example of it, but like when you have like, imagine you know, in three years or four years, whatever, five, six, seven, if Peyton Thorne is a starting NFL quarterback, we're getting very far ahead of ourselves here. But like, imagine he's the quarterback of, of the Rams last night. Like, how I'd be so invested. I'd be the biggest Rams fan in the world. 
How about maybe more realistic? Kenneth Walker the third running back for the Buffalo Bills, oh. Super Bowl champion uh, in two years. Does that do anything for you? Uh, I, I'm just saying that, like, I am very tempted to kind of adopt the Bills as like a, a, a like a second team. It'll never be the same. Like, it can't be the same. I don't think you can possibly ever like root for like give yourself to two teams like that. But like, just as a team to say, hey, can I pick a team that I know is going to be in the hunt? to watch and enjoy like i'm telling you that i'm i'm willing to do that without kenneth walker if kenneth walker is there like that might it's gonna be real close to full-blown fandom for for uh for me personally because it's just gonna like despite all of the players machine state has put in the nfl over the last you know call it 10 something years since the beginning of the d'antonio era and there have been plenty um there haven't been a lot of like offensive skill players. Yeah. The best offensive skill players MSU has had have not really panned out in the NFL. Well, Le'Veon is kind of the guy. Well, okay, sure. But he never, but he was never on a team that I feel like did the Steelers win a Super Bowl? He didn't win a Super Bowl, did he? He didn't. I don't believe he did. He was on some decent Steelers teams, but not, not uh, all the way to the precipice that we've been saying for the Super Bowl. And, you know, dare I say, getting way ahead of myself because he was only here for one year but i wonder if kenny walker is going to have a little bit of the draymond effect in that mm. he's some michigan state warrior fans you know it is kenneth walker carry wherever he is drafted you know a little bit of fandom with him now, people continue to follow him uh and are invested in that team more than maybe they ever would have been I wouldn't hate it. Personally, I will probably adopt at least some degree of that. Just, And I've never been like that with the Warriors, which is the irony. I've just always kind of been a fan of his because everybody else hates him and he's mine. Sure. And, and you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, I could for sure see a world in which that that takes place. I also th- – I mean, like, listen, there's, there's a chance, and this is getting a little bit further down the line, but, like, you know – Jaden Reed is certainly a very draftable skill player that could for sure carve out a role in the NFL. I think Speedy Naylor with the right breaks could carve out a nice role in the NFL. There's plenty of guys that are, you know, recent talent that were from this year's team that I think you could could see do that. I mean, Kenneth Walker, I think, is uniquely positioned to to really have a, a major role. To be quite honest with you, I would sort of expect wherever he ends up. He's gonna, if not be the starter, be one of the guys that's getting touches. Like I just don't know how you draft him and don't do that. So um, that's exciting. The other part is that I thought was not a coincidence and kind of ties in with everything we've talked about from a recruiting perspective with what Mel Tucker is doing. Um, and it's just another reason to be excited about what he's done is the defensive line and the front sevens made that game. They defined that game. Quarterback play did not define the way that the Super Bowl, the game between that decides the world championship of football, but by all accounts, the biggest and best football game every single year, maybe not best, but biggest, biggest stage, was defined by Aaron Donald. It was defined by uh, Von Miller. Uh, even on the other side, uh, you had uh, DJ Reader making big plays from a defensive tackle position. I mean, you had uh, the the defensive end free agent, Trey Hendrickson from the Bengals. I mean, it was, and you can go back many Super Bowls. 
listen, I would argue that more Super Bowls have been won. I think I saw a tweet about this. More Super Bowls have been won in the last 15 years by the front, by the front seven than have by quarterback play. And what I the draw the like the the tie into Michigan State is Brandon Jordan. I mean, it's that's the exciting thing is the emphasis that Michigan State because I think that runs true. We saw it in college football again this year. It runs true through all levels of football. So to see that come to life on the biggest stage in both championship games is uh, it's exciting that Michigan State is taking that very seriously and and obviously trying to dominate in that space. Hysterical to see him tweeting every seemingly every down just 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 sharing not just like that's my guy like hey here's a video of me working with him on that, <laughs> on that yeah moment. like you're like each like and he has probably worked with half of the guys on either side of the ball of that game and you're like yeah. oh okay oh got it we yeah, have- the Von, every time von miller did something i was like oh that's great that's uh brand it's guy that's yeah, pretty cool exactly. it was just it, it was cool to watch it through that lens you know through his twi- which is a completely different lens than you know traditionally watching the super bowl but it, it was fun um and and speaking of d lines austin uh, michigan state made a big hire yes you want to talk about marco coleman i do want to talk about marco coleman so michigan state as as everybody knows um Ron Burton has is no longer was recently um, not his contract wasn't I don't know how, how you want to look at it. contract wasn't renewed whatever it was um, he's no longer the coach at defensive line coach at Michigan State did a great job for MSU for for a very very long time but um, the hire of Brandon Jordan it looked like Mel Tucker kind of wanted to reshape things a little bit so um, there was an empty space because uh, Jordan really is like this quote unquote pass rush specialist. Uh, that's like his position title or his coaching title. Um, so there was an open spot along the defensive line for coaching. And Marco Coleman has been hired to fill that void. Now, uh, some people might remember him as a um, actual NFL player. He's only 52 years old. He was actually a first-round draft pick, top 15 pick out of Georgia Tech in 1992. He played in the NFL for 13 years across six different teams. Uh, he's coached at in, in the NFL as an uh with the oakland raiders and for the last three years he was at georgia tech as the defensive and outside linebackers coach that's his alma mater i think a really interesting part of this is that marco coleman just left his alma mater to come take a promotion question mark like Mm -hmm. i guess probably technically a promotion but he's the defensive line coach and run game coordinator which i find to be an interesting twist to this but um it was odd to me (laughs) I think that's interesting. Um, guy, that's a busy guy there. Yeah. Uh, both, no breaks for this guy. None. Marco is constantly working. But he, yeah, I, I think what's cool about this hire is is a couple of things. I think a couple of very telling things. First, again, defensive line is a absolute premium source of emphasis for Mel Tucker and his entire staff. I also think it's great that they've hired another younger coach, a guy with NFL experience, obviously means quite a bit to, to this staff. Uh, he's from Ohio, so he has ties to Ohio from a recruiting perspective. And then maybe even more important in a recruiting perspective, he's a Georgia guy. He went to Georgia Tech. He just coached at Georgia Tech for three years. 
he recruited, I mean, if you look at Tech's recruiting classes, they're not super impressive, but they landed a handful of guys in the Atlanta area that they probably didn't have any business landing, four-star guys along his position. So um, to even, I, listen, we've talked about it so much. When you think of MSU's impact in Georgia, those Georgia three stars, like that's not just a talking point for Tucker's staff. Like they are taking, making an impact there very seriously. And Coleman you know, digs them even uh, even deeper into that trench, which is should be very exciting to all Michigan State fans because you, the better you do in Georgia, the better you're going to do uh, as a program. So exciting hire. I think the combination of him and Jordan is really, I mean, that's about as good as you're, you're going to get right there. And it's also not like he didn't turn out guys from Georgia Tech. Like, yeah, maybe not the most successful program, but um, they've had a, a handful of guys recently that have transferred to big programs, like, you know, four or five star recruit or four star recruit guys that have recently uh, transferred since he's left um, that are getting ready to make big impacts places. So pretty exciting stuff. Uh, Coleman, hey, anytime you can add guys with NFL experience and recruiting experience in Ohio and Georgia, uh, sign me up. Yeah, that's the that's the kind of the cool thing, too, is you had a guy that has played in the NFL. I think that brings a lot of credibility. And when you see him agreeing and with Brandon, you know, on yeah. all of that stuff, I think it helps you. Not that anyone would ever question that guy considering the results, but but there's that added layer of I've played in this league. I know what it takes. And, you know, not every coach can say that. And I know that that's not everything, but it is certainly an element that um, you can help in other ways, too, you know, about what it's like when you get there you know, being a resource once guys get to the league, you know, how do you handle these things? And, and those are, those are the type of recruiting um, little add-ons that are the, when you're competing against the, the Georgia, Alabama, you know, Texas A&M, the teams that MSU is competing against for these defensive linemen. Cause we talked about that last episode, like they are yeah. in the top 200 period, like, and, and you, you know, every school can say that. So like, it's important that MSU can also say that, you know, and, and we're going to have a guy that was in the league and you can, you know what I mean? Like there's it, yeah, it, absolutely every, every little differentiator matters and MSU is not behind. And I think that's important. So no, that, that as a, that's a great point. The ability just to have people, I mean, cause at the end of the day, any kid that's coming to play college football, I mean, really, really even a two-star recruit, like these guys are coming in because, you know, they love playing football. And what's, what's everybody's dream. Everybody's dream is to play in the NFL. I mean, and to have guys that have been there, done that and are in lockstep about what they want from the program is, I don't know. I hate to use the cliche of the, the, the programs in good hands. Like people always say that when, the, when old quarterbacks retire, like, Oh, the NFL is in good hands. Yeah. Uh, it kind of feels like that with this program though. Like it, it really has, it's got some rising stars uh, along the, the position coach group. So exciting stuff. Um, as we think about the fall, one exciting little little programming note here, which I think is pretty pretty cool, is the Western Michigan game. I believe the first game of the season has been moved to Friday night on Labor Day weekend. I think that's pretty dope. What do you think, John? Yeah, I love this little tradition MSU's had here, and let's let's folks be able to you know go. Up north, whether that means you go south or not, you know, as if you're a Michigander, you know, up north doesn't necessarily mean going north, but Labor Day weekend, you can go up, go to a game and still go up north for a long weekend. I think that's just really smart. It's, it, it helps fill a stadium. 
um, it, which is sometimes tough to do when you have a Saturday 3.30 game, you kind of shoot the whole Labor Day weekend. So smart move. Um, we're, so that also means we're just we're one day closer to the football season. So That's right, baby. Yeah, um, that's exciting. So, Austin, um, with the Super Bowl ending, and we know that portal season never sleeps, but hmm. not saying football season is over. But I am saying it's it's time to look very hard at, at the present. And it, we are we are hard. I mean, we are in the dog days of February hoop season. And oh, yeah. it's time to it's time to take it full on, I think. And um, OK, Fine. Should, should we should we embrace, you know, this past week and, and upcoming games? And, and really, we want to talk about holistically what it means for MSU to become a serious team. But let's do that right after the commercial break. I think that's a great idea, John. I'm ready. I'm ready to commit. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. And we're back. And we're back and we're serious. We're, we're serious, serious about hoops. We're serious about hoops. It's is, draft season, which means I can be serious about it. Is is the team serious? TBD. Yeah. <sighs> we'll find out. Unfortunately, a couple things happened last week. But I have an interesting thought about the Wisconsin home loss, 7-62. Okay. Not, you never want to lose at home, period, in the league. I don't think, and I'm very hard on this team, as you know. I don't think this loss was as bad as, let's say, people have made it out to be. I, I, I think you need to credit Wisconsin more in this game than MSU's shortcomings. I, I thought Wisconsin handled the body blows that MSU in the, had for them in the exact mm-hmm. same way um, MSU did it at Cole Center. It was, it to me, it was the same game, but at Wisconsin's pace. Yeah. And, and they handled the body blows. And um, I wanted to talk to you about a quick thing. There's, there's the, when you have home games, and they can happen at away game, at games too, but you can feel what I call like the bang play coming. And, yep. And, and it's just it's coming and it's coming and you get close to it and you're just not quite there. And, and the anticipation rises through the through the um, arena. And it's usually huge and almost always met with a timeout from the opposing team because they know they hit the bang play that we have gone over. MSU had five opportunities, I counted, for the bang play um, and they didn't convert. A couple of times Wisconsin played great defense. Cup one time MSU literally just threw the ball out of bounds, forcing it. And a couple times uh, MSU just missed the shot. So um, that happens. Um, you don't want it to. Serious teams do that. Um, but I don't think it was quite as bad. It was just Wisconsin's not terrible. It, it, but 
you know, 70 to 62 loss at home really kind of made us rethink, as we said before, going into this week, you kind of had to win both of these games for us to take seriously after a 21 point loss at Rutgers. Yeah, I I think, well, I think the, the whole serious discussion almost like goes into phases. Like, teams can become serious throughout a season. And I I don't think it's like, I do not think it's outrageous to think that Michigan State can become serious again, but that timeline has now been kicked. I need to see more in order to move them up to that uh, echelon at this point. This game, I mean, I look at two things, but three things really. Michigan State got, um, honestly, they didn't really Two things. I'm going to talk about two players because these are the guys we talked about going into it. Johnny Davis and Max Christie. Johnny Davis found his game again and went for 25. 25-6, three assists, two steals. Like only one turnover, two fouls. Played a great game. Eight of 11 from the field, made two threes. Only missed one free throw. Like vintage Johnny Davis to the point that they didn't need Brad Davidson. Brad Davidson found his sinker dumb again and went two for 10. Um it wasn't really anything more than that. No one else on that team did a tremendous amount. They just sort of played their classic Wisconsin game. And then I go across the aisle and I look at Michigan State and I look at two players in particular. Max Christie goes three of eight from the field, doesn't even attempt a three-point shot. That's a problem. That's a big problem, especially when you have A.J. Hogart attempting three and Hauser attempting five. And between the two of them, they made one. That's not the ratio of – those aren't the people you want taking those shots. Hauser maybe to an extent, but you don't want him to – you don't want him taking five threes in the game, ideally. So, as we kind of said before, as Max Christie goes, so goes the team. He had eight points. Just, just wasn't getting the looks that he needed. Uh, and then this game, I'm only bringing this up because of what the next game brought. This was probably rock, rock bottom for Tyson Walker. Just looked completely out of his depth. Only yeah. played 14, 14 minutes, didn't make a shot. Uh, only had one assist two turnovers, just one point on the game, like simply not Big Ten starting quality point guard play. Like just a borderline unacceptable uh, to the point that he was then benched for the first time all season going into the next game against Indiana. But just this game, I, I kind of agree with you. I, I feel like the second half of that momentum play, the first half they just couldn't hit a shot. I mean, it's just, if you score 23 points and a half, I don't necessarily think it's – 100% because of what somebody did to you when you have as much talent as Michigan State does. It's more of what you did to yourself. And you're right. They just couldn't hit. They just couldn't hit shots. Um, and they didn't get particularly dominated on the glass. It's not like, you know, any, again, it's not really like Wisconsin turned them over too much. They had 12 turnovers on the game. Honestly, for MSU, that's pretty good. Uh, so to, to me, it's just they were they just didn't make shots when they had looks. And the second half started to make some shots. Well, scored 39 points in the second half. And to your point, they had momentum so many different times where they were ready to take it and they just couldn't. I also think this team, and this happened a lot in the other game too, they might have the collegiate record for most balls just thrown out of bounds. Just yeah. throw them. Just, just don't even want them. Don't, don't bother me with this ball. I don't have time for it. Like they get these big rebounds and then all of a sudden – you know, just, just, just toss them out of bounds. So that happened. They throw turnovers out of bounds, all this dumb stuff. So they just one too many dumb plays, one too many missed momentum shots. And then Johnny Davis sort of took the game over the last few minutes and, and ended it. So this, honestly, this game to me, you're right. Like not as 
torn up about it. You don't want to lose at home. You you don't want to lose to a team that's a good chance for a resume builder. Uh, but this is not the worst home loss of the season. Uh, that would be the <laughs> Northwestern Wildcats. So, um, you know, I can I can live with this one. Uh, not great. It's clearly not a serious team at this point. But then again, after what happened in the rest of the week, I don't think Wisconsin's all that serious either after they turned around and lost to Rutgers. But Michigan State bounced back very well in the, uh, the next game against Indiana. Yeah, quickly, Rutgers kind of doing a thing. Dude, I, I was going to say, like, R- Rutgers all of a sudden. They're kind of, yeah. That's not a, listen, you don't love losing to Rutgers ever for any reason, especially by 20 points. But they've now beaten Michigan uh, State, uh-huh. Purdue, what? Wisconsin, and Ohio State. Three in a row, Michigan State, yeah. Ohio State, at Wisconsin. And they went against Purdue earlier. That's what I mean. They've got a nice resume. It's not a bad team. You know what the weird thing is? So this is a team that nobody wants to deal with right now. Exactly. But they are also, they are Rutgers. So like we can't, but the thing is, they're not even close to a bubble team. (laughs) Not even close. Like they, they are, they are, they are, they need a lot. And that'll, I mean, they, they have the opportunities but fifteen and nine, um, with losses uh, at DePaul and to Ooh. Lafayette and at Ma- at UMass, I mean, like we like the three wins we just said, they kind of like barely make up for for what those three losses are, right? And then yeah. they get a bunch of other bullshit, you know. So, so <laughs> like, I'm I'm gonna go to bat for Rutgers though. Oh yeah, because because winning. First of all, it's recency bias. I think even with the NCAA tournament committee, there will be recency bias. And they'll, I mean, I I will forever like look at le- just I'll always go back to last year's Michigan State team as like the barrier for entry for getting into a tournament. That team was like fifth. What were they like fifteen and fourteen? Like some a tr- barely over five hundred record. And the only reason they got in is because they had big wins late. Like Rutgers is getting their big wins in a little bit early, and so long as they don't have like you know, any more DePaul's in their system. And I don't even know how many opportunities there are for that. There's like Nebraska and maybe Northwestern is, are that caliber. If And I don't think they are. It's um, just hard to like overlook that when you have a quad four loss. Oh, for sure. No question. Like Q4, like there, you gotta, that's tough. We'll, and we'll talk about that as it relates to Michigan State, I think in a minute after we talk about the Indiana game. Um, I guess what I'm just saying is like that, 21 point L at Rutgers while awful and really hard to justify in any way. If Rutgers keeps winning, it makes it feel a little better. Not it doesn't that it look as bad. Doesn't ever make it okay, but it, it, it helps. I mean, it takes a really bad L off the board for Michigan state. That's well, what it does, which is a nice thing. And for what it's worth, you know, as we talk about Michigan State's seriousness, they don't have a any quad three or four losses. Even the Northwestern mm-hmm. game at home was a quad two loss right now. So it, while MSU doesn't have any bad losses, they still are leaving a little bit to be desired. And we talk about serious team versus unserious team. We made that in the sense of, can this team compete for a Final Four or a championship? Because there are only about 12 teams. That's a lot. But period. That can really, you can look at and say, like, they could win it. And 
right now MSU is on the outside of that looking in. Absolutely. That's what we mean by are you serious or not. And whether it's fair or not, I don't know. But that's the program that Tom Izzo has built, right? It just is. So this Indiana game, go in. Indiana needs wins. That you know they're they're dancing around the bubble, not off of it, but they they need some dubs. This is a huge one. They lost two in a row. It's going to be chippy from the start, and it was. This was one of the chippiest games we had seen all season. In a while. In a long time. And I loved it, by the way. Loved it. Every minute of it. I loved that this game, and you talked about Tyson Walker was had the worst game of probably his at Michigan State career against Wisconsin. Definitely. I would say definitely. Had to make a change. You just had to. And, and A.J. Hogar gets the start. That, he was engaged from the jump. AJ rose to the occasion in this one. I, I've never seen someone in my, not just at Michigan State, I would say ever in basketball at any level, somebody's first start, they got ejected. <laughs> I think that is incredible. It is a happy Gilmore stat where he's like, I had the most penalty minutes and I'm the only guy to take my skate off and try and stab somebody. Yeah. Like, he gets for the rest of his life, be like, yeah, my first career start, I, uh, I got run. And you're like, wow, what happened? And be like, oh, we beat the hell out of Indiana. And I just yeah. was in it. And I'm like, part of me was like, okay, this is bad, but also very, very good. Like this kid brought a new voice, a louder voice than Tyson Walker. And it doesn't mean that there isn't a role for Tyson Walker, because there absolutely no. is. There absolutely is. But maybe you need a guy like AJ to get him going a little bit. And he did. He provided a, a, an immediate spark as a starter. It's really, really great to see. Yeah, I mean, I think you make some incredibly valid points. Like you, you had, first and foremost, you had to make that change. I mean, I mean, it was just, it was obvious um, that it just wasn't, Tyson had been spinning his wheels for a little while. And you know, taking some of that, he came in with a lot of pressure. Like there's a lot of pressure when you come in and you're going to be the starting point guard for Michigan state. Like that's, that's not nothing, especially given what's expected of that position at this program. It's not just the program name and the fact that it's, you know, whatever version of a blue blood you want to call it. It's, it's that in this system and with this coach, you're expected to run the whole damn show. So that alone is a lot of pressure. And, you know, I think we saw him step up to it a handful of occasions, but like we've seen him come up a little short and we haven't seen him be like the aggressive scorer. I think that that was potentially advertised uh, when he was, you know, first coming to Michigan state and first, first committed. So you could tell he was pressing. So I think this decision was really smart. And I just, I, I could not agree with you more. Like, the steps AJ Hogarth has taken this season to grow his game and now grow as a leader and a voice and like the confidence is so exciting to see to the point that like I personally could see him being like a multi-year starter. Like I think they're going to roll with this group for a while um, until the wheels, you know what I mean? Until, until it doesn't work. I think they're still going to get a pretty even split in minutes, but Hogarth just like, I said this from the day we he started playing. Like I just love his ability to get downhill and get to the free throw line. And I think you saw it in this when he got to the free throw line a ton in some big situations. He had made we got shot seven free throws. He had 
eight assists, only two turnovers, had four rebounds, 14 points, just a really complete stat line from AJ. Um, so he was, he was huge in this one. I will also say I, I, the Tyson Walker that we saw in this game, and I was saying it, I was watching with my dad, I was saying to my dad, I said, this is the Tyson Walker that I need as a fan and that this team needs as a back, as an, a, another backcourt initiator in order to become serious. This you 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 need a guy that's going to hit three threes and make and score fifteen points and look at his stat line. He was so much more aggressive. He took ten shots in this game. He didn't have a single assist. He only had two turnovers. Like that's what I want out of Tyson Walker. I want a spark plug on the second unit. And I was hoping that would be on the first. But if he's if this is what he's going to be and it's going to be off the bench, I think that's great. And I thought it was so awesome for him. And it had to feel so cathartic and good because he hit those threes in big spots in the second half to kind of like bury the game. MSU didn't. This wasn't like a clean game. They had 15 turnovers. It was really sloppy in the first half, especially where they should have just been burying IU. They still were up seven and a half, but it felt like it should have been 15. Um, IU was down. Uh, one of their best, Rob Finnessy, did not play in this game, which is not a small factor for an IU team that needs as much help as they can get, especially on the offensive side. So um, okay. what I love about this game is that they were able to survive the Gabe Brown over mm-hmm. uh, and that Tyson Walker and Hogarth played so well. And also, I'm sure this is where you were going to go. Shout out to Malik Hall. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. The kid's top. He's the guy. You know, and, and AJ is the guard version of Malik. He, he's just tough and he's Malik is taking on a Kenny Goins role in that I like that always going to be undersized he's always going to be asked to do more than you should ever have to ask a kid to do you ask we ask Kenny to do a lot a lot and a lot of it was bullshit asking a guy like that to do that stuff and Malik gets asked a lot too Malik doesn't start he gets starter minutes that's great and then you ask Malik to say, not only, you know, or unfortunately, you know, this is just how it has to work because we we have to do it this way. Joey needs to start because he can't be paired with Marble. For, it just yeah. can't happen. So this is what has to happen. And Malik, also, we're going to need you to come off the bench into the flow of a game. And then you need to be the primary scorer in winning time. And then you're also going to have to defend a guy that is just much bigger and stronger than you. And that happened uh against Rutgers with Ron Harper Jr., who is just like a a plus size version of Malik. He he had to do it against Race Thompson, who was a plus size version of Malik, who had 14 rebounds, by the way. Yeah. I told you he was gonna kill he's the monster. He's a, he's a Spartan killer. Just kills us every time we play him. He's just a he's an he's a guy. He's an OKG. He's a Michigan. Absolutely. Would love to have him as yeah, a Spartan. He's oh I would love to have him. Right. Go ahead. He, sorry. No, exactly it. Like that's why you love him. That's why we all watch, see these kids, and you're like, damn. That's why when we are about to play Purdue, and you're gonna see Mason Gillis, and you're gonna be like, I hate Purdue, but I like that kid. Like mm-hmm. Malik's gonna have to guard him, you know. And you know Keegan Murray at Iowa, you're gonna see yeah. probably have to guard him. And and you ask him to do so much, and he continues and continues to deliver. And also he's meeting the. He, he's meeting the bar needed as a captain to to be vo- to to chirp back. Yeah, you, you, you need in the end. I wanted to chirp it up. Okay, meet him. You know, it's your home court. Don't let him talk. And they did. And when you talk, we talk about AJ taking a step. It 
statistically, AJ and Tyson are extremely similar. Um, and here, here's the difference. You know, Tyson is a better three-point shooter. AJ is much better at getting fouled and getting to the foot, yep. which is massive when you play teams because generally teams only have one real point guard. You saw it in mm-hmm. Indiana. Xavier Johnson got in foul trouble. They were a mess. They, you know, they, they didn't they, – that guy – they, he's had an up and down year, but they wanted to play him. They wanted to play him so much that Mike Woodson played him with three fouls. You know, and then he immediately got another foul. <laughs> got a foul, and and you know the game was over. It really was, and so AJ get, can get fouled. He knows how. That's huge. But the other thing that can't be measured is AJ is is vocal in the ways that Tyson isn't, and that's you know it's not a fault for someone that they're not vocal, but that is a differentiator. You got you got to play this guy. If he wants to get up and get – he's the first person that you saw on the court that stepped in on any one of those um, push-and-shoving matches. He's the yeah. one that jumped in. He's the smallest guy out there, and he's jumping in. And it's like, okay, this team isn't good enough to win to win big boy games with talent. So you better have some guys with some dog in them. And A.J. does. So we'll see how this new you know, MSU – team with this change in dynamic um if it's good enough to to get them to a serious team maybe but something had to change so at least you can yeah. feel about that yeah i think it'll be really interesting i mean uh, it will only really matter to be honest with you if if two things happen first aj's got to keep playing the way he played which i don't think is gonna be a problem he's been playing that way all year but Tyson, both of them have to play the way they played in this game. Tyson has to be aggressive. We've seen so much passive stuff from him, uh, which is just not the guy that you need. That's not what he was brought in to be. He was not brought in to be a passive pass first point guard. He was brought in to be kind of uh, a scorer, a slasher. And, you know, obviously he's a great passer, but like look at his stats at the, the last place where he was. It, he was filling up the stat sheet against good teams. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what MSU fans have been expecting and sort of waiting for and finally sort of got. Not that he hasn't done it before this season, but, you know, he hasn't done it nearly to the the, the velocity, I don't think, that that fans, and quite frankly, I think probably Izzo, uh, were expecting. So he, he needs to keep to keep that up. Um, and then I think you've really got, you, you might actually have something here, but as we look forward, there are two more, I'm not willing to call this team serious until we see a couple more things out of them. But I, I will say that I think there is an opportunity for me to get there this week. Yeah. Let's, let's quickly go through that. I think like you said a couple things need to happen. Um, we talked about Max Christie and Gabe Brown had an offer. These are guys that can't create shots for themselves very well. And so that's going to put even more pressure on Hogard and Walker to get them involved because they can't do it themselves. You've seen Gabe, Gabe Brown try and dribble the ball more than twice. It's a turnover. Just is. Can't do it. Just got to stop trying. The only way they succeed is – Someone sets them up and they can hit knockdown shots. That's not the issue. They're good for it. And so that's just going to be, that is a thing that has to start happening is the point guards getting them involved for this team to be able to take a step. But let's, let's talk about before the, you know, what has to happen this week. You know, we were talking before the pod about if you looked at the season, like golf we will quickly go through the season and you can agree or disagree with me, but 
each we're just going to cut ahead to the game uh, 15. Uh, MSU was three, 13 and two and two and zero in the conference. They had no bad losses. Still don't have them. Uh, Kansas and Baylor are still very good, and yeah. had two good wins in Loyola uh, and UConn. That's a serious team. You are mm-hmm. you were two under par. We'll call it because you had no bad losses and two good wins. So we'll give you two under par. Then we'll go game by game from here. They had a buzzer beater versus Minnesota at home. That's that is barely. That is barely par, but still two under. And Austin, disagree with me as we go if you're not. Yeah, okay. No, I'm listening. Okay. Lose at home to Northwestern. That's a double bogey. Yeah, you're 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 in trouble there. That's home home game, and a bad team. Season, you're at par. The season is at par. Win at was. That's double bogey bad off the off the tee too. Yeah. You're flying out of bounds off the tee. We're in trouble from the get. You know, on this hole, we're just trying to get out of it now. Yeah. Go win at Wisconsin. That's a good win. That's a birdie. Absolutely. You're, you're serious again. You're we're we're un, uh, one under. Lose at Illinois without Kofi Coburn and Andre Curbelo. I'm sorry, that's a bogey. Absolutely. We're back at even par. You beat the shit out of uh, a mid Michigan team. I, I'll give you a par there. We're still even par. Hold on to that one. You might disagree with me. Just hold on. At home, you might be like, that's that's a birdie. Maybe. Hang with me. Hang with me. You went on the road against a bad Maryland team. That's par. Sorry. Still even par. Lose by 21 at Rutgers. It's a bogey. That's that's and, and only, It could have been a double, but Rutgers has been winning a little bit. So that's we're plus two on this. Or excuse me. We're plus one on the season. We're on serious now. We lose at home to Wisconsin. You know, whether it was a bad loss or not, it's still a bogey. Can't lose at home. Plus two on the season. Uh-oh, in a little bit of trouble. Beat Indiana pretty badly. You combine that one with the U of M beatdown, I'll give it combined Alberti. So, so, like, I, I know that's a little unfair to golf, but. Sure. <laughs> I wish I could do that. Yeah, you combine a decent game with another decent game, and that's good for a birdie. So right now sure. we're, we're plus one on the season. And and you can agree or disagree with that, but yeah, I mean, I think the I don't think I'd really disagree with any of it. The only the only adjustment I suppose I'd make is that the par on against Michigan is like a really nice par on a par five. Like you drained a really nice putt, or you like had a couple beautiful shots within that within that hole because it was a pretty spectacular, like awesome. Just an awesome win. Um, I think no. Miss maybe it was a miss um, calculated hole. Like it should have been a par. Um, it it should have been a, 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 a. What am I trying to say? It it should have been a four or, or a four shot, and it yeah. And I don't know. It, it could have been better. It, well, it's only because the expectation. Like you got a par on a on a on one of the, like the lower graded holes on the course. Like it's, right. yeah, it's great. It's fun. Nice and easy, nice and smooth. Um, listen, I, I agree. I, I think they're still over where you need to be to, to be considered serious. I don't think there's any question about that. Now we're coming down to it. I mean, we're on, we're on the back half of the, you know, we're, we're on like the 13th hole or something like that. So if we, if we're going to get serious again, you really got to, 
you got to lock back in. And I think the good news for Michigan State is that of all the teams you just named, and I look around the entire conference, I don't know how many serious teams I honestly see. I mean, within the conference, Michigan State currently sits a game and a half back of Illinois, um, who is in first place at 11 and three. MSU's at nine and four. So uh, I believe they actually do. It seems like they do have a game in hand, which is a good thing. Um but yeah, I, I, I like if you just look up and down the, the the Big Ten, you got five ranked teams. It's Illinois, then Purdue, Wisconsin, Michigan State, and then Ohio State. That's just the order they're in in the conference, not necessarily the order they're ranked in. But I mean, I, I have a hard time calling Wisconsin a serious team. Uh, I mean, they just they had every you know they lost to Rutgers at home. Uh, Ohio State just lost to Rutgers as well. Uh, or did they? Uh, Wisconsin might have lost on the road. Either way, they both just no, lost those. Wisconsin games. was at home. Wisconsin was at home. Okay. Um, the bogey, it's a bogey. Yeah, it's not not a great loss. Illinois, I still think I've been saying it all season. I think they should be the favorite to mm-hmm. to win the conference. But for you know, we need to see them mesh with all of these pieces that are back. So I listen. The chances are there. Like these are beatable teams. These are teams. Michigan, maybe Michigan State has already beaten Wisconsin. They, I think, just really dropped the ball against Illinois, but could beat Illinois later this week. But in order to like get back in the conversation of being serious, you know, you have to, you're going to have to do some work, um, not only this week, but in the, in the upcoming week. So I don't know. I mean, do you think there's anybody in there that you would call quote unquote serious? Like, would you call, I know Purdue's ranked number five, but they're not even winning their own division. I don't know if I'd call anybody serious in the big 10 right now. Well, I think Illinois and Purdue are serious in the, in the eyes of they could win it all. Okay. And I don't see any other team in the conference even close to capable of that right now. I don't think Purdue can win at all. Like, okay. I, I, and that's just maybe it's just me, but I feel like it's a problem when you're two, two of your three best players like can't yeah. really play on the floor together at the same time. Like that to me is a massive issue. Um, and with Edie and Trevion, I mean, we've seen it. They, they they can play together, but they. It's like one or the other. It's like the Nets when before James Harden got traded. Like it was a lot of just ISO ball and it's one or the other and they have trouble. Neither of them can really space the floor all that much. Like they just kind of get in each other's way a little bit. And if you want to win a national championship, like you know how much has to go right and like how well you have to play together in order to make that happen. And like when you only have so much top end talent, those pieces need to be humming in order for you to to win a national, if that's what we're talking about, I just have a hard time seeing a mixed match front court like that truly making. I mean, you got to win six games, right? Like, could they make the final four? Yeah, probably, because you're probably going to be a one seed or a two seed, and you're going to get a pretty decent draw. But like at the same point in time, would you be shocked if they lost in the well, Sweet Sixteen or in the second round? I mean, it's Purdue. It's exactly the Matt Painter effect is is hard to overcome. I will say they have, they have nine guys that are very very playable. And so they can't teach depth. You know, like you said, guards win championships, and they do have Jaden Ivey. Yep. Oh, absolutely. He's a, he's a bucket. So you, they have that too. I just, I like them a lot, and I can't believe I'm saying that because I don't. I, I've been burned by this program so many times. Um, so until further notice, yeah. I can't really get behind them to win at all. I just mean in the sense of if you look at, you know, if you just look at numbers, I, they have the best offense in the country. But then you got to take, you got to look at the, 
you know, the, the human side too. And remember it's Matt Painter. So yeah. Yeah. I hear you there in Illinois. They, they, I think once they start playing, I feel like they played half their season without yeah. their, you know, their full lineup that they wanted. They barely survived a game at home against Northwestern, which was weird. They were up by 18, 19 and, and, and blew it and Northwestern cut it to one. It was just a mess. So like no one's truly serious, but I think I, I tweeted this out yesterday just for context on, on nobody is good. Like we always say, nobody yep. is good. This this past week alone, they're in the top 25. Um, I think 19 teams lost. Jeez. Yeah. Wow. 14, 15, six, I'm sorry. 16 of the um, 25 teams lost and three of them lost twice. So wow. so so like. You know, right. It's hard to there's not a ton of seriousness out there. Let's put it that way. No, which is I mean, you know, listen, that's not the worst thing in the world to hear as a fan of one of those unserious programs. That's exciting. And it honestly, if anything, that gets me fired up for March Madness because you're going to see well, yeah. some weird shit go down. But well, and let's finish out this week. So at Penn State, you know, continuing with the um, with the golf analogy, you know, remember where we left off, we're, we're one over right now. At Penn State, I'm sorry, Penn State is the most unserious oh, yeah. Nebraska basketball program in the conference. You can only par this hole. You cannot birdie this hole. <laughs> it's if, a par three. If you if you win by 30, I'm, we might have a conversation about it being a birdie, but still, I'm I'm going to have a hard time with it. So yeah. you can only you can't really do well. You can only bogey or double bogey, <laughs> and and then you get Illinois at home. You win that game then you that's a birdie and we're back at even on the season it doesn't mean we're serious it means we're par on the season we are in a position to become serious and not to go too far ahead but you look at next week's games and you have um at iowa and home versus purdue now we get into serious conversations but you have to win both of these games for even consider that you correct. could be serious going into next week's games. Yeah, correct. I mean, I, I almost think that like the window for seriousness gets pushed out beyond the like to the Big Ten tournament if you aren't able to win both games this week. Like I just have a like I know Purdue's really good. So if you beat Purdue and then beat, you know, end the season on you know four game win streak if you were to lose a game this week, that that's that's great. But I, I don't. I just don't know that that's enough for me to get over that hill until I see what happens at the Big Ten tournament. So, you know, we're we're kind of where we are. You know, which is the dumbest thing I might have ever said. But it's Austin. After this game against Penn State, MSU will be the underdog in Vegas for five straight games. Good, right where we like to be. And just you know, hey, take that for what it is. It's just how it's going to be. They're going to be underdogs at home against Illinois. They're going to be underdogs at Iowa, underdogs against Purdue at home, probably underdogs at Michigan. I know mm-hmm. that's crazy considering they're on the bubble. And then, and then underdogs at Ohio State. You know, most likely you're going to be, um, I don't know. There's a lot, lot to earn, I guess is what I'm saying. you got to earn it. It's all there. I mean, they've got seven games left and they're a game and a half out, which means they have and and the teams in front of them are. I mean, they're they're what they're sitting behind 
Wisconsin by a half game. So that's not even, and they go, went, went, you know, head to head, they split with them. Yeah. Um, but you're behind Illinois and Purdue. Those are two teams you have the chance to play head to head. Yeah. Right. And Ohio state's the only team that's a half and Rutgers as well, are both half a game behind you. So, you know, it, the opportunity is, is certainly there for them to do it. It's just a matter of if they can. And I think in order to, like, like we've said, Malik's becoming the guy. You need what you got out of Hogard and Tyson consistently. And then if you can get some, I mean, like literally anything out of Gabe and uh, Christy, I mean, who, who knows what they could actually end up doing. So, um, yeah. We, we won't preview the Penn State game because it's tonight if you're listening. And, and, you know, like we said, that's just a must win. You want to yeah. quick, quickly talk about the key to winning the Illinois game. They blew the game against at Illinois without their two best players. That happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, or near best players. This game is it's quite simple. Like Kofi Coburn is a unit, as we've talked about. That's half the battle. You have to make it past the ball. He's He, is, he cannot pass the ball he struggles so much and mostly because he hasn't had to you throw a double team at him um you kind of invite uh illinois three-point shooting right which is 44th best in the country they have some real um snipers and alfonso Plummer uh and jacob grandison so you got to be careful and and sometimes if you remember back to gosh was isaac haas game oh man wow where tom Izzo said let him right infuriatingly watch this guy just get a bucket almost every other possession because you just go straight up on him and the and the genius out if you remember was we're not giving up threes yeah and if you follow him he's not great at the line so he's got to really it's got to really earn the two points and we have if you recall very deep center position I, i wouldn't double kofi I think you need to, if you want to, you got to do one of two things straight up and, and don't give up threes, let him go or scream the double and make Kofi pass the ball because he's, he is such a bad passer that I don't want to say he averages less than like an assist per game. Wow. So it's, it's the ball movement after that, that creates the threes when there's a scramble. Um, and if MSU wants to play scramble defense and, and kind of roll the dice, um, you know, Illinois won a lot of games doing that. Uh, so, so you know, pick your poison. See if they go Isaac Haas defense, or if they make Kofi pass out of the out of the block and and hope that they are a little bit off on the the all reversal threes. Yeah, I mean, I I think um, I think it's it's you're gonna see them start with the let Kofi eat. Like that, I think that's the first thing you do. You you try to you hope that your length can bother him enough and that your depth is able to, like you said, kind of like foul him and it, worst case, put him at the line type of thing. Um, I think that's how you're going to start the game. Now, I think how you adjust as the game goes on is like solely dependent on if we're making shots or not, because mm-hmm. I don't think playing that scramble defense is just the, the downside there is so significant because they've got enough good shooting around them that they could kill you like that. If they've got two guys that are on, like you said, uh, Granderson, Curbelo, and I know there's Plummer, there's more, um, you're going to get, you're going to get roasted. I, I, if Michigan State can keep it close, that feed Kofi, like, idea, 
that's going to be how they continue to play defense. But if things get, if that's just too easy and he's just eating, 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 and the game's starting to get away, I think you'll see them switch to be like, Hey, let's double team. Let's try to force him to pass the ball so that, you know, we have some kind of chance to make something happen here. Um, Cause I just don't know that, it, you know, we'll see, but it's, it'll be interesting. To see. It'll be an interesting chess match for sure. I'll give you just a little bit of, context for uh, Kofi Coburn. He has, I believe, 47, or 42 assists in his career. Wow. Career. Three seasons. Two almost three seasons. Joey Hauser has 39 assists this season. A forward. Wow. So, okay. So, like, 42 assists in two and a half, two and two-thirds years from Kofi Coburn. 39 assists for Joey Hauser, who is not by any stretch uh, part of the (laughs) facilitating part of the offense for Michigan State. No. So, like, make him pass the ball. Like I said, though, the way Illinois has has succeeded is as soon as he gets it out, and he doesn't have a lot of trouble getting it out because he's so big, just throwing it back out, is they swing that thing so fast. Yeah. uh, It kind of gets you in scramble mode. So, calling Maddie Sissoko. You know, you're going to get your copy. It's Pat. Illinois, Illinois' favorite, the, the Illini, Illini fans' favorite player. Yep. That is It's going to get real. So chance, chance this week to to get to par. You know, let's get to par. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can I can get on board with getting to par. So it's big opportunity. It's here. Don't worry, guys. We're still going to talk about the NFL draft. We're still going to talk about football. But we are – we are deep now that the Super Bowl is over, deep in the throes of basketball season. Yeah, that's right. Next week, we may start to bring into a new segment of teams we do not want to play as the, yes. the uh, NCAA tournament comes upon us. It's time to take a look around the country, too. So we're starting to compile a list. We're ready, baby. All right, John. Well, this has been fun. Mm-hmm. Um, guys, as always, thanks for sticking with you, for, or for sticking with us. For John. It's been awesome. We'll catch you next week. See you.